We, uh, as you guys know, we've been doing a series. Our teaching team is doing it. And so uh, we've been doing a series called We Is Greater Than Me. And today we get to hear from Ryan. He's got a great message for us this morning. I'm just going to just want to pray for my brother here. And, and, uh, and then we'll dive in for the day. Father, we thank you for Ryan. We thank you uh, just for the ways that you live in him, the ways you've been speaking to him and preparing him uh, for what he's going to share today. Lord, I pray that it would be all you. <laughs> so just uh, would you strengthen? Would you uh, pour out your peace? And would you just show your power, Lord, may your word just be proclaimed with your power today. Just carry him along by your spirit and uh, open our hearts, God, to what you might have to say to us today. We need you. We love you. We lift up this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Ryan. I'm a volunteer here at Ignite. Um, bear with me. I am nervous. I like to just throw that out there, not to make you guys nervous, but I'm just letting you know, okay? So... <laughs> um, but it is such a blessing to be able to, to give this message to you today. I'm really excited <clears throat> about what God's laid on my heart. Um, so today we are in week three of our series, We is Greater Than Me. And uh, today we're talking about conflict. Probably another reason I'm nervous. <laughs> uh, I don't like conflict at all. Um, and by a show of hands, actually, I, I would like to know how many of you experienced some conflict this week? <laughs> Probably all of us, um, and it's probably pretty safe to say that most of us deal with conflict on a weekly, probably daily basis, rather. Um, and by another show of hands, how many of you actually like dealing with the conflict right when it happens? <laughs> For you that raise your hand, uh, I want to talk to you afterwards because I need some <laughs> advice. Uh, <clears throat> I don't. I don't enjoy it. Um, it makes me very uncomfortable and anxious. Just, just talking about it, you can see my heart's racing. Uh, I just don't like it. Um, I think most of us probably feel the same way. We, we would rather try to avoid the conflict, at least in that moment. Um, and it starts at a young age, too. Uh, I, I feel like, for me, I can remember from a young age not liking to deal with it. Um, and now as a parent... I kind of see the same thing. I, me and my wife have a nine, seven, and five-year-old, so we get to experience conflict every day. And <laughs> they are huge blessings, but man, it gets stressful. Uh, a lot of fights over movies and games, and um, it seems like Britt and I are always trying to put out little fires of conflict um, between them. And that's just part of the gig when it comes to parenting. But it, the whole point is, like, it starts at an early age, so it's interesting. Um, and I can recall growing up in a public school, I mean, there's conflict pretty much every day, every week in public school. Um, lots of different kids, so lots of different personalities clashing. Uh, I want to share a story about a time in my life, uh, probably the one that stands out the most to me. I was in sixth grade, and we were on recess, and it was like any other normal day. Me and my group of friends, we loved playing basketball. Like, that's what we did. We're sixth graders, so... We're, we like tried to practice as much as we could so that we could beat the seventh and eighth graders when we played them. In <clears throat> um, this particular day, the eighth graders decided they wanted to kick us off our court, take our ball, and <laughs> for me, like I told you, I, I, I don't care. I'm like, you know what, whatever, let them have it. A couple of my friends are not like that. Um, before I know it, there's a full-on royal rumble going on on the recess and power bombs I'm not kidding like this happened the teachers they stayed up by the school the basketball courts are on the other end of the playground so like there's no adults in sight like there's just kids going at it uh, 
So me, I'm like, you know what, I, I saw the ball. So the, nobody cared about the ball anymore. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to get this ball. I just want to shoot around, like, I don't care. And then one of the toughest eighth graders cuts me off, and he's like, you want to fight? And I was like, no, I really don't. And he's like, yeah, because you know there'd be two hits, me hitting you and you hitting the ground. And I was like, my heart's racing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy's huge. Like, he's, like, cut. He's an eighth grader. And I'm, like, chubby sixth grader, you know. I'm like, okay, I need to get out of here. So he takes the ball from me and just punts it. And I'm like, this is awesome. Now I have a, a good excuse to leave. <clears throat> so I start running towards the ball, and I'm like, I'm glad I'm not facing this guy anymore. The moment I pick up the ball and turn around, I just get boom, right in the face. And I'm standing, staring. And it wasn't even the kid I was talking to. It was some other kid. And I was like, what the heck's going on? And in that moment, <clears throat> I just remember like so many emotions running through me, anger, fear, frustration, um, we we're staring at each other. It felt like an eternity. Um, finally, some of the teachers had actually realized what was going on. So here they come jogging out. And this teacher comes up to us. She's like, what's going on? <clears throat> you guys need to apologize, you know, make up, whatever. And I couldn't do it. I just ran to the school. I was like, I don't even want to look at this kid. Um, and well, the sad thing is, from that moment on, for the rest of my time in grade school and in high school, anytime I crossed paths with him, I had this bad feeling in my gut. <clears throat> and, and I know it was from the unresolved conflict, uh, but I still chose to avoid it. That was 20 years ago. <clears throat> I'm 32 now, and I still have times where that happens. And it got me thinking, <clears throat> like, why is that? Why do we shy away from conflict rather than address it? <laughs> Sorry, let me get through. So I did some research on our brains and found some fascinating information uh, that I wanted to share with you. Did you know <clears throat> that your brain contains over 100 billion neurons, which is crazy, but each of those neurons is capable of receiving 10,000 messages per second? So that's like receiving 10,000 emails per second, which is just crazy. Like, that's a lot of, I wouldn't be clearing my inbox. Like, I'd just be like, forget this. <laughs> Uh, so imagine like when you're engaged in conflict, like what your brain's going through. Um, first of all, our brains are condi conditioned to perceive conflict as a threat. And it's funny because when you look back at when conflict first entered the world, it, the same thing, it was like the same thing with Adam and, Adam and Eve. Like when God approached them, when sin and conflict entered the, the world, they were uncomfortable. Like they hid <clears throat> and stuff. And, and I see that happening all around me today. Um, and what's happening in our brains is there's this area called the amygdala, which is responsible for detecting fear and respond responding to a perceived threat. So our brains begin releasing like a cascade of chemicals, like stress hormones, like adrenaline and cortisol. Um, and that's why like when we're in conflict, we start to feel hot, our heart rate increases, maybe like our palms might get sweaty because we're like, our brain's telling us like, you're in danger, you need to fight or flight because you're gonna die, <laughs> if, <laughs> possibly. Uh, the problem with this is, when it's like Tim from, from like human resources or your wife or somebody else, it's not a, it's not a life dangering experience. So I think the mindfulness of knowing that we, we would rather just not address it and just be like, you know what, I'm just gonna bury that deep down inside. It's okay. Like I, my life's not in danger, so I don't need to address this. <clears throat> so then I started thinking about my own life, like in my marriage. Um, there's times when Britt and I have had arguments and hurtful things get said sometimes because we're human and, and we say dumb things when we get upset sometimes. Uh, 
And a lot of times it's easy to just brush it under the rug, not deal with it. But then have you ever noticed like a month down the road, suddenly something else comes up that's not even related and it's even smaller and you have an even larger argument that kind of stems back to that? It's because of that unresolved conflict from not addressing it from, from the beginning. Uh, <clears throat> or maybe there's like a time at work. Work conflict is insane. Like I did some research and they said that 85%, I forget the resource, I'm sorry, but 85% of workers say that they deal with conflict on a daily basis. And they actually spend hun like millions of dollars on work conflict, like helping people to resolve work conflict. Um, so at work, we, we deal with this too. Um, I know there's been times when I've got word of somebody talking behind my back or maybe like I've overheard somebody insult me or something. And like I said before, I, if that happens, I have the personality type where I'm like, you know what, it's not a big deal. I, I, I just want to get along. I just want to work. I just want to have a good day. I won't even worry about it. Um, but the problem is like <laughs> over time, if it keeps happening, eventually you're going to snap and, and then that just makes it worse. So I know I'm guilty of this. I've got another story. Uh, a few years ago, I was working um, and I worked with someone who I, I like <laughs> to call, some people are potsters, you know, like <laughs> if there's something they can find to like stir, stir up some, some issues, they'll, they'll take advantage. I worked with a person like this. Now, before I go any further, I love this person. I care for them very much, but they were not easy to work with at times. Um, and basically what this person would do was anytime they could try to find like a little tiny mistake, like the smallest mistake, they would run to the manager and try to get you in trouble. I don't know if this was their way of like ma making themselves feel better or look better, but it happened constantly. And like I said, I'm like, you know what? It'll resolve itself over time. I'm not worried about it. I just want to get along work as a team. But unfortunately, it didn't resolve itself. <clears throat> and then one day, I made a mistake, and I made a verbal comment like, ah, crap, I messed up. <laughs> and I was like, I'll fix it in a second. It, it was just a small thing. I think I like wrote the wrong business name on a deposit slip or something. Um, but all of a sudden, I feel her, I'm just trying not to say her, he, sorry, <laughs> this person reach over my shoulder. <laughs> um, and I just like, I just snapped. I was like, hey, please do not reach over my shoulder. I, I, yes, I made a mistake. You don't have to get me in trouble. Why does this always happen kind of thing? And then this person was very upset, started crying. And I realized like, oh, man, what did I do? Um, and I should have handled that so much better if I would have just gone to her from the beginning and been like, hey, how can we work through this so that this doesn't lead to something worse? Um, but it did. And so I learned from it. Um, but unfortunately, it took, it took something major like us having to sit down with the manager and, and talk it out then. And it didn't have to get to that point. So the reality is <clears throat> conflict is inevitable. We're going to have conflict in our works, our homes, our schools. Um, so with that being said, we can definitely expect to have conflict in the church. And that's kind of where I'm going with this. Um, I'd say the church is probably at an even higher risk of con conflict because if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and being unified, and on the same mission for Christ, then we are a major threat to the devil, right? <clears throat> so um, how can we thrive in that? What does that look like? Sorry. What if we could use conflict as an opportunity for growth? <clears throat> and how do we accomplish this? Um, so I thought, who, who better to turn to than Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, has a whole section that's dedicated to dealing with conflict in the church. And what I found in his words were that, like, a lot of it is very effective, I think, in dealing with conflict outside of the church also. 
So that being said, before we jump into the scripture, I do, I do just want to specify that Jesus is speaking specifically on conflict in the church and specifically when a brother or sister were to sin against you. Um, I just want to make that clear. Uh, so today, what I want to do together is look at three instructions that Jesus gives us on dealing with conflict in the church and how we can thrive in it. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to go and head and open up to Matthew, and we'll have some slides also, but Matthew 5, chapter 5, and verses 21 through 25, we're going to start there. <clears throat> you have heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother or sister, which would be like a fellow disciple, <clears throat> will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which that is like an insult to one's intelligence. So it would be like calling some like English parallels like you idiot or you fool. Um, it says anyone who says you fool will be in danger of hell. Therefore, if you are offering a gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your offering there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. So there's a lot going on in that scripture, <clears throat> but I think the main point Jesus is getting at is that if, we have if there's conflict, we cannot let that go unresolved. We should do our best to resolve it quickly. So that's the first instruction that Jesus gives us here is resolve conflict quickly. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a meeting uh, actually at the church, and it happened to be that Wednesday when, like, everyone said, if you go outside, you'll die. It wasn't that bad out, really. But, but uh, as we're wrapping up, side note, I, I, there is a funny meme on, on Facebook that said, <laughs> you know the movie The Day After Tomorrow? It just said The Day Tomorrow or something like that. It was hilarious. I don't know. Sorry to go off on a tangent, but uh, <clears throat> it was hilarious. Anyways, um, so a couple weeks ago, I was in this meeting, and as we were wrapping up, I get this call from Britt, and she's frantic, and I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, probably the, probably the kids just, I don't know, like blew up the house or something. Uh, <laughs> but what had happened was she's like, there's water pouring through our, our kitchen ceiling. And I'm like, what? Like, how does that happen? She's like, you need to get home ASAP. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. So like, uh, uh, what had happened was the pipe had froze the hot water pipe up in the attic, and the, one of the elbow, elbow joints snapped, and wa hot water was just shooting out everywhere. So thankfully, Britt took action quickly. She knew to shut the water off, so she shuts the water off and dumps a, a bunch of ki our kids' toys out and uses the bin to catch the water that's just, just coming through, pouring through the ceiling. And she cleans up the other water that, that had poured out already. Um, and, and it got me thinking, though, like, what if she hadn't acted quickly? And to take it one step further, what if we decided, like, you know what? We don't want to deal with this. We'll just let the water just destroy our home. It's no big deal. Um, the structure would start to rot. Mold would start to grow. And that could lead to other damage. It could even lead to health issues if you're, ex like, exposed to that for an extended period of time. And the crazy thing is I think this is exactly what conflict can do to us if we don't resolve it quickly. Um, when we decide to let conflict go unresolved, it, it kind of sits and simmers inside. Um, have you ever noticed when you're upset, instead of working it out with that person, the more you think about it and let it kind of stew inside, the enemy starts to get in your mind, starts putting negative thoughts about that person, thoughts that, you, you know what, I've been wronged, I need to get back at them. Like, people need to know what they did to me. 
Uh, that anger starts to build up and it can turn into hate. And Jesus is pretty clear. He says, you know, you can't, you can't let that happen. Um, it, it, you, can't risk, you can't put yourself at risk of in, in, in return sinning against your brother or sister. That's just, that's not the right thing to do. Um, but you know what I'm talking about, though? Like, that, that happens sometimes. It's happened to me. Uh, I think that's why Jesus warns us in this passage. He's telling us that if we don't resolve quickly, we're going to start harboring anger against our brother or sister. And then in God's eyes, we're just as guilty as a murderer. I mean, those, those are hard words to swallow, but Jesus said this, and it's scripture. Um, and he says, also, if you let that get the best of you, you're in danger of the fire of hell. That scares me. So, you know, looking further on, Jesus goes on to say that, you know, this is such a big deal to God that even if you're at the altar offering a gift, if you're in the place of worship, I want you to leave. I don't want you to focus on that right now. You need to go be reconciled with your brother or sister. If you remember that there's an issue, then come back and then we can worship. Um, and he finishes, Jesus finishes the passage by saying, settle matters quickly with your adversary. Otherwise you'll be given over to the judge and the judge will give you over to the officer and you could be thrown into prison. So in a broader sense, I think he's just saying like, look, guys, we need to make sure if there's any conflict, because it's going to happen at times, we, we have to get those relationships right. Because if we allow unresolved conflict to, to turn into sin, we're, we're at risk. I mean, he, he's pretty clear about, like, we don't know when we're going to be standing before God, so we need to make sure our relationships are right. Uh, listen to the words of the Apostle John in 1 John 4.20. He says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So again, I mean, we can't hate someone. We can't, we can't hate someone and then come, come to church on Sunday and worship God. It's a, those don't line up. Um, and then more words from Paul to the Ephesus church in Ephesians 4, 26, 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. This is probably one of my favorite verses in scripture that I, that I t like quote to myself a lot. And I think it's because Paul doesn't say anger is a sin. Anger is a normal emotion. Jesus got angry, but his anger was, was geared in love. It was never, it was never like, uh, never had any intention of like doing evil to anyone else. You know, it was a hostile anger towards sin. Um, and so, we have to be careful because it's so important. We can't let that, re that conflict go unresolved because like it says here at the end, we're, we're, at, we're risking giving the devil a foothold and that can lead us down a dangerous path. <clears throat> so the second instruction to thriving in conflict is to resolve face-to-face -face and one-on-one. -on -one. And this is in Matthew 18, 15. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. So this is what we hope happens when, when we're in conflict, right? Um, that we can just work it out and, and just move on, and the relationship's fine. But notice how it says, go to that brother or sister and point out their fault just between the two of you. It doesn't say, now go on Facebook <laughs> and vent, because uh, you see it all the time. It's crazy. I've seen like full-on family wars, just crazy stuff. It's stressful. And you know, raise your hands, or you don't have to because it's kind of, but like, have you ever, have you ever talked about someone before you talk to that someone? 
I know I've done that before, and it never, it never leads to anything good. Everything always comes full circle. Like, I promise you, if you're talking about someone just venting, and I, I, like, you might not even have the intention of, like, hurting them, but just, just trying to vent or, like, let out some steam, it's going to get back around to them, and it's just going to make it worse. Um, that's why we have to go face-to-face and one-on-one first. Um, and Jesus instructs us to do that. But I think a lot of times with, you know, the social media outlets and our phones and everything that we have, uh, it's, e- it's really easy when we're upset to just kind of go to someone else through texting or, or whatever or on Facebook. Um, but that's not what Jesus says to do. Uh, like I said, those, re- those actions might give you some temporary relief, but it's never going to solve the real pop problem. Uh, there's a charismatic um, author and, and speaker that I love. Her name's Joyce Meyer. And she has a quote that says, don't run to the phone, run to the throne. And I love that because um, face-to-face reconciliation is hard. Uh, some people raise their hands and, like I said, see me after um, so I can take some notes on how, how to not make it so hard. <laughs> but, uh, but what if we ran to the throne first? You know, um, We don't have to just settle it right in that instant. We can pray. We can go to God first, um, run to the throne, and then settle it as quickly as possible. I mean, Scripture tells us in Romans 8:28 that God works all things together for our good. So I'm confident He can work conflict together for our good also. Um, but I think sometimes that requires us going to Him first, praying and asking Him for help, so that He can prepare us and give us the words and the grace and the love that's needed to address others face to face. And Paul says in Hebrews 12:14 also make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So it's just kind of another reminder from Paul this time that if we are running to the throne and pursuing holiness in a right relationship with God, then God will strengthen us and he will lead us into right relationships with others. And then the third instruction to thriving in conflict is to get help. <clears throat> and this is Matthew 18, 16, and 17. Um, but if they do not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. So I'm sure most of you know there's times when you do try to reconcile a relationship face-to-face and it's just not working. A lot of times when two people are upset, it's hard to see eye-to-eye and to come into an agreement. So what I love about this is that Jesus is telling us, like, you know what? it's okay to get help. That's what the body of Christ is for. Um, sometimes it does take other brothers and sisters that know us to come alongside and, and help us reconcile an issue or an issue of conflict. Um, for me, I've, I've always loved sports, and I, and, I, and I kind of I relate. I tie everything back to that. Um, and growing up, I played a lot of sports, but my favorite was probably basketball. And I think the reason that is is because, first of all, the level of communication that's required on both of the ends of the court is like crazy if you want to be successful. So communication is important. But from bitty basketball all the way through the high school, I played with pretty much the same group of guys. And we, we spent countless hours practicing um, and playing together. And it was like we were a family. I mean, we were a family. We still, we still, I still feel like they're my family. Um, and we had a lot of successful seasons, but the success came with a lot of conflict. Um, if you've played sports, I'm sure you know during practices when you're when you're pouring your everything you've got into 
to what you're working for, uh, there's times where uh, there's going to be an altercation or two. All it takes is like an elbow to the chin or um, like somebody calling you something uh, in, in, in the heat of the moment to set that off. But what I think what made our team so strong is that the moment that two of us got into it in altercation, there were two or three other teammates that jumped in right away that reminded us like, hey, we're, we're all brothers, we're on the same mission. Like, what are we doing? And they never let it go past that. Like they made sure we were good right then. And then we, and then we grew stronger from it. Um, we were more unified than before. And I think this is exactly the vision that Jesus has for the church. Uh, we need each other. Um, if two of us are engaged in conflict, there's going to be times when we can't settle that just by ourselves. There will be. Um, but that's the beauty of the church is like we can have two or three other brothers or sisters to come alongside of us and, and to lead us back into that relationship and to, and to bring peace to it. Uh, but we have to be able to be open to that and hold each other accountable and speak truth and love to each other. Uh, this is only the only way that we can live in true unity. <clears throat> and hopefully Aaron doesn't mind. I'm going to share a little story for him. When I say <laughs> hold each other accountable, this is kind of unrelated, but th this is what I mean by hold each other accountable. Um, when we started the new year, we were doing a fast, and uh, um, I was having a hard time di disciplining myself to get up early and spend the early morning hours with God. I was good during my lunch and at the end of the day, but I couldn't do it. Um, and we would check in each other with each other like every morning, like, hey, how's it going? How's it going? Well, I'm struggling here. Well, I'm struggling here. And Aaron goes, I got a question for you. <laughs> and he's like, how come you struggle so much to get up early and spend time with God, but you can set your alarm to wake up for your fantasy football at 3 a.m.? And I was like, whew. <laughs> and I love him and I appreciate that, but that, that's what I mean. That's what we need. Um, you know, that that opened my eyes to like, okay, I need to get something right here. I'm doing something wrong. I love sports and I'm like, well, it's probably just my, my natural like competitiveness, you know, like I tried to make excuses. Like, you know, I just really like to win fantasy football. <laughs> uh, but like, I, I should want to win the race of life more. Um, and so that's what I mean by like holding each other accountable and speaking truth and love. Aaron didn't say that to me to to make me feel guilty. He said it because he loves me, because he wants to see me grow in my relationship with God, and I, and I appreciate that. Um, and I'd rather somebody say that to me than, than not address an issue. Um, so, but even, even after, like, maybe getting two or three more brothers or sisters to help you, there's times where you still might not have a resolution. I've grown up in churches where I've seen this happen, where people have left hurt. Um, I'm sure we've all experienced that to some extent, and it's a terrible thing. Um, but Jesus gives us instruction on this situation too. He says, look, if, if you still can't get this resolved, take it to the church as a whole. And as a body, we can try to extend love and grace in hopes that whoever is, is sinning against a brother or sister will repent of that sin. But if they still re refuse to listen even to the church, then they should be treated as a pagan or tax collector. Um, so we're going to jump to a, a passage from Paul. And this is in a letter to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and there will be no division among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and spirit. So I think this scripture just backs up exactly what Jesus is saying about sin in the church. Um, as a church body, we have to be striving to be perfectly united in mind and spirit. I mean, scripture is clear about that. 
So if there is someone who is blatantly sinning against another brother or sister, and they're just refusing to listen to other brother and sisters that are trying to come alongside and help, and then they refuse to listen to the church, and they have no intention of reconciliation or unity in the body, then they should, it says they should be treated like a pagan or tax collector. And so for the protection of the church, they should be removed. Um, when I first tried, oops, did I pop that off? Sorry, I'm messing, messing up here, all kinds of mess up here. Okay, um, sorry about that. When I was first uh, preparing, I wasn't really sure what that meant, but I, lot of, I read a lot of commentaries, and, and it's true. You know, we have, to, we have to protect the body of Christ. So if there's someone that, that is not wanting to be living in unity and, and be on the mission, then sometimes that it does require removing someone. Now, like Jesus, we should always be striving for forgiveness. I think um, if that person down the road were to repent and, and want back in the body, then absolutely you extend grace to them and you show them love. Um, but we, we have to be protecting the church. So with all that being said, conflict isn't something to avoid. Um, it, I think rather it's an opportunity for the triumph of grace. Uh, it's an opportunity for the church to come together in unity as the bride of Christ. Um, it's an opportunity for us to become peacemakers in a world that's full of so much chaos. And I think there's a reason Christ felt the need to speak on dealing with conflict in the church. And I truly believe that if we follow these instructions that he gives to us, it could be a game changer, not only in our churches, but all around us in our homes, our workplaces, and anywhere else God wants to use us. Um, and I want to finish up with a quote from Ken Sandy. And Ken is the, the founder and president of a organization called Peacemaker Ministries, which is a ministry that's devoted to equipping Christians on how to respond to conflict biblically. So I thought this went, went great with uh, the message today. And listen to these words here. He says, peacemakers are people who breathe grace. They draw continually on the goodness and power of Jesus Christ. And then they bring his love, mercy, forgiveness, strength, and wisdom to the conflicts of daily life. So with that, I just want to say like today, I want to challenge us all to be peacemakers um, in the church, in our lives outside of the church. Um, I want to challenge us to walk in the freedom from fear of conflict and embrace it with the confidence knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to um, share your word with the church. And I just pray that if there's any unresolved conflict in here, that, that we would be broken, that we'd be open to, to letting that go, um, that today we could be free from, it, from any chains, any past hurts um, that we've been holding on to, and that we could go uh, to our brothers and sisters, to our friends, to whoever, to our family members, um, and, and just just fix anything that's broken. I mean, we can't, we can't go through life. It's so hard to, to live that way. So we just ask that you would just pour your, your Holy Spirit into our lives, um, that you would give us the strength to do these things, um, and that ultimately, um, you know, you get all the glory for this, and that we know it's only because of you that we can wake up each day and, and extend love and grace to others, because that's what you did with your son Jesus. And we just thank you, and we love you so much for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.